You like Brady so much. <laughs> I mean, how can you not like the man? Come on. I can respect his game. I, I can respect who he is. I can I respect, but you have to understand too. Yeah. Tom Brady is a man that does not get as many touches either. He has a line that protects him. He gets sacked, yes, occasionally. He never, he yes. never always had a good too line. physically broken to a certain degree, and he's got this regimen. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardi, those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. back here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Myself and my boy Michael Gray, my shooter. Michael Gray, <laughs> that's how they like to call it, Mike. Um, episode 22 of season three of our show. 84 degrees here in the Central Florida area. Mike, it's always fluctuating. Today it could be 84. Tomorrow it could go as low as 53. It's, 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 uh, uh, it's Mother Nature. You can never get a hold of it. Yeah, you never can, but I'll take either one of those weathers over this weather we have up north. I mean, you got you talking about 84, which is very hot, 53, which is very uh, moderate. I can still go outside, get a nice jog out here, but this 35, this, uh, this 25, the 35 degree range we have up here in New York, uh, New Jersey area. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to those numbers like you spoiled, brother. <laughs> <laughs> You're a funny guy, man. You, 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 you uh, going crazy. So, what's the temperature like? You, you got. 28 right now, degrees. Well, well, right, right now it's 37. You know, we 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 lately we've been in the 30 to 20 range. Uh, 30, 30s to 40s during the day and 20s at nighttime. So it, it gets it gets pretty chilly up here. But I I just can't wait. I know March is on the way. Those 40s and 50 consistent days are on the way back. And um, you know, I just can't wait to get back outside and get back to it, man. Get that sun. There for sure. Michael Gray, folks, he cannot take the cold weather <laughs> at all. <laughs> kind of <clears throat> misjudging that there for sure. Speaking of cold and speaking of cold, there was nothing colder than the frozen tundra at Lambeau Field. What happened in championship weekend Sunday, Mike? And that's where we start off from Green Bay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, first time in a conference championship since 02 when they won it all. And the Packers... Their first ever conference title game at Lambeau as Aaron Rodgers as a starter. Mike, I'm going to let you start in. What happened in this game? There's a lot of things that happened in this game. You uh, you had, for one, 
the Green Bay Packers pride themselves on getting off the fast starts. Uh, um, and the last two years on the Metal floor, that's what they predicated themselves, getting off the fast starts and using their defense and their running game. And Aaron Rodgers in timely times to make the certain plays they need to make the most. Well, that didn't happen in this game. In this game, this was one of the few games I've seen in the last few years where they got off to a very slow start. I mean, it's a slow start to the point where offensively they didn't look as sharp as they usually do. Um, defensively, they were all over the place. And Tom Brady really was – yeah, he had a very solid first half making plays down the field, especially that touchdown at the end of the first half to put them up 11. And then uh, you had the touchdown coming out of the second half that put them up 18. Getting down to a uh, getting down eighteen points in a, a, a championship game against Tom Brady is a recipe for disaster. I don't care if you're Aaron Rodgers or not. Now, now they fought their way back to get into the game. However, it was too much of an uphill uh, a climb, and they couldn't pull it out in the end. But uh, also, what we saw was um, a, a lack of a lack of ability to, to capitalize on opportunities by the Packers. You know, they had those three interceptions in the second half, only converted uh, six seven points. Excuse six points. Excuse me off those three turnovers, one touchdown. So a lack of capitalizing on opportunities, a terrible slow start was um, what hurt the Packers. But also for the Bucks, that um, that quick start helped them a lot. Tom Brady's first half helped them a lot. But um, that defense was very was very opportunistic in that fourth quarter. They made plays. They uh, on those two possessions where they they um they uh, were Brady threw interceptions in the fourth quarter. They easily could have, with uh, with all the momentum going to Green Bay, they easily could have gave up touchdowns or gave up some type of points on either one of those drives to to keep that momentum rolling for Green Bay. But they stopped them on both drives and got the ball back to Brady, and they made the plays that they needed to make the most. Um, th- that's exactly what I saw. I saw a game where the Green Bay Packers should have won this game, could have won this game. Matt Lafleur got too passive in the fourth quarter on that last drive forgetting that that's one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of all time on the other side, and there's no guarantee that you're getting the ball back. So the fact that you went for a field goal in that situation, yes, Aaron Rodgers could have made a better decision on third down and maybe run it to make it closer to give him a better shot. But at the same time, if you're Matt LaFleur, you're going against Tom Brady. This is a this Super Bowl berth on the line. You have to go for it in that time. And then on top of that, this is one of the keys, that the reason why he should have went for it in the first place, Sebi. If you go for it right there, you're, you have you essentially have four timeouts. If you even if you get stopped on fourth down, you back them up. You back you pin them up to the point where they're it's essentially than, a punt. It's essentially yep. a punt. You're you're more than likely you have four timeouts. You got a two minute warning uh, still coming up, and then on top of that, they um it almost because they're so backed up, it almost guarantees that they have to run the ball three straight plays on that third down and five where where they got the pass interference call on the on the next possession. They threw the ball now. Now, and what if they was backed up and they and they and, and 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 instead of throwing the ball, they ran the ball and you get a, you get a stop on fourth down and you get the ball back like that. So it's just I see what he was trying to do, but strategically he didn't he didn't make the the logical move. He didn't make the right move at the right time and it cost him in the end. So Green Bay, I feel like had a great opportunity to win this game. They uh, got the better quarterback play and they looked like the better. Um, team in the second half to make the run for it but I had to give my hats off to Tampa Bay because defensively they were the more resilient team and they carried them and they've been carrying them this entire playoffs I agree I agree Mike and and there's a lot of there's a lot of things here there's a lot of things here obviously you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they came out opening drive Brady to Evans they pretty much Mike they put their foot on their necks because they knew going into Lambeau and much like the things that you said in Green Bay you don't want to get down 7, 14, 17, 3, 17, nothing against this Packer team. It's going to be tough sledding, and especially in Lambeau. So opening drive, they scored a touchdown. And, and, and Mike, 
you saw uncharacteristic things by from the Green Bay Packers in that first half. And give credit to Todd Bowles. Give credit to Todd Bowles. And this is what I said, Mike. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have two inside linebackers that can run sideline to sidelines. Mm-hmm. We know about Levante David, but Devon White has been flashing my eyes. He, only his second postseason start, Mike. Only his second postseason start. The brother can rush the passer. He can rush up the middle. You can put him out wide as a as a defensive end. He can run with uh, running backs, and of course, he can cover. I mean, the guy is special. Fifth. Uh, fifth overall pick a few years ago from LSU, but um, uncharacteristic things. Shaq Barrett was unbelievable, Mike, and you saw why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchised them for $19 million this year. Yes. JPP going after it. And and this is kind of like the blueprint of how to stop Aaron Rodgers, too. Kind of like what, what, the, what your New York football giants used to do. They used to rush four and keep eight in the back mm-hmm. end, but that four had to get home. And that's what Tampa is doing. Shaquille Barrett was a menace. Two and a half sacks. Uh, JPP uh, pitched in as well. But I thought Vitavea yeah, coming back to stop the run. And, and Well, first of all, you can't stop. You can't run against Tampa. But just his presence alone, being able to be an added pass rusher, um, helped Tampa. Now, in that second half, Mike, Brady almost blew it. Um, and, 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 you know, America knows how big of a Tom Brady fan I am. You know what I'm saying? I thought second half, Green Bay said, okay, we know playing coverage isn't working. We're going to have to get after after Brady. And they did that, and they turned the ball over. King got an interception. We'll talk about him later, Mike. Jair Alexander, a ball that Mike Evans, eight or nine times out of ten, catches that ball. I know Brady was under duress and under pressure, but it's in your hands. You got to catch that. Jair Alexander picks it off. But with the story of the game to me, Mike, <clears throat> is those two and three interceptions that Tom Brady got, six points off of those. Yep. Last week in, against the Saints, Tampa Bay, with those three turnovers that they forced, 21 points off of those. They scored touchdowns. The inability for Rodgers in this offense to capitalize on those, I thought that was the story of the game. Yep. And it was because of the pass rush. Because JPP was getting home and Donica Sue was getting home. And we know Shaq Barrett was a menace. They had three opportunities to get back in the ballgame. And they did. After falling from 28-10, they got back. They made it close 28-23. But after those two crucial interceptions, the defense stepped up. And I got to give credit to Todd Bowles. Um, the back end, Mike, the back end where where we've we've criticized this back end. Um, with Cockrell, with Michael Dean, and 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 Carlton Davis, they've stepped up these last few games, especially against some very very good offenses. And so uh, Todd Bowles in this defense won this ball game. Brady, he did his thing in the first half, and uh, and 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 he did that. But in the second half, Mike, kind of, that play that you're talking about with two minutes left, how do you not go for it? How, how, how do you not go for it? Now, I will say this. That third down and third and goal, instead of Rodgers trying to force that ball into Adams, and, and that's a ball that they – I mean, and Rodgers and Adams, they've been connecting at a alarming rate this 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 year. This is a ball that they pretty much convert nine, to, nine out of ten times, but there was green grass, Mike. I thought Aaron could have ran that ball to the end zone. He only had to outrun Indonikik Sue. Do I think he can run out Indonikik Sue? Absolutely. I thought he should have ran that in rather than trying to force it in double coverage uh, to Devontae Adams. So those two key plays to me, Mike, 
was the difference in this ball game. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad, and I'm glad you brought up that that last point. You know, he, he could have run it, but if you saw the replay, he wasn't even looking that way because you know Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers takes opportunities like that. If he was even, if he would look that would have been looking that way, I'm sure he would have took off at, uh, or at least pump faked or thought about it. You know, but he was staring down the receiver, and that's something that, and that's something that I feel like he did a little bit too much in this game too as well. It was times where he was trying to force feed Devontae Adams too much. And you saw that it was it was opportunities where other receivers were open with the one on one coverages and things like that, and uh, and he he was steadfast and uh, hell bent on trying to get the ball to Devontae Adams, and that could have potentially cost them because you know it, it was one drive in particular where they he one drive in the goal line where he literally threw to Adams three times in a row, man. Yeah, a couple of it was a couple of and 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 they. They had to score a field goal off that, but it was a couple of plays where there were other receivers, Tanya coming uh, on the right side, where other players were open on one-on-one coverages. But uh, you know, just just trying to force feed Devontae. And and, and that's the that's the question I have. As great as Adams had seventeen receiving touchdowns, all pro. We know how of a bad of a boy he is. But as, as Aaron Rodgers, as as great as you are, you have to understand the game plan is tailored to stop Adams. That provides one-on-ones for Lazard. Exactly. Robert Tanyan is an elite red zone target. He had 10 touchdowns this year. I mean, you got to go through your second and third progressions, and he wasn't doing that, Mike. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't. And, and, and on a consistent basis, it just it wasn't the normal. Like, he didn't have a bad game, but this isn't the typical Aaron Rodgers we're used to seeing. And uh, you saw it. And, um, you know, it's, just, it's unfortunate, man. He, 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 they, they, they played well enough to win this game. They just didn't capitalize on the opportunities they had to. And and that's why the Bucks are moving on. I uh, my next uh, question: two other things too. The play before halftime. Yeah. Um. I I can't remember the young man's name. King. Kevin I King. Think he, yes. Kevin King. Yes. I I blame this on him, but also the defensive coordinator. Yes. I it agree. is about one. Uh, about what is it? Eight seconds left, yeah, and the Bucks weren't even in field goal range. The only remote thing, Mike, that they can possibly do to get in field goal range is to throw it deep, and and then the defensive coordinator elects to play one high safety. <laughs> you cannot do these mistakes against Tom Brady, it, Mike. Tom Brady has seen all; he's seen it all. There, there's no hidden scheme. There's no hidden coverage. You're, you're not going to try to trick him. You're, you're not going to try to disguise something that he hasn't seen. He's seen it all. I mean, he's he's played against some of the elite defenses throughout his career. There's not anything that he won't see. And for you to play that coverage at that moment, of course, he's going he's gonna to go ahead and he's going to try to capitalize on that. And what he did, Mike, is he said to himself, if I don't convert this, worst case scenario, I can get a P.I. Once I get a P.I., that ball – and automatically gets either in the red zone or as an end zone target. And he just happened to capitalize on that. I I feel for the young man, Kevin King, but I have to put that on the defensive coordinator as well. And also Mike, another crucial play too is when the, when the Packers were coming back, they, they tied the game and, and, and they brought the lead down to four. They went elected to go for two. Amari St. Brown catches the ball and drops it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers throws a perfect pass on that two-point conversion, and he drops it. The lead stays at five rather than uh, trickling down at, at, a, at a field goal. I thought that was another crucial play as well, where Rodgers knew that he had to go the full distance to the end zone rather than being in field goal range. Those two key areas as well, 
the the Packers are going to be kicking themselves this offseason too. They absolutely are. And uh, you you brought up a great point about Kevin King. I blame Kevin King for being so deep, but I also uh, blame, blame the defensive coordinator for not giving him any help on the back half. Brady probably saw that one high safety and said, oh, yeah, I'm taking a shot. Brady has a history of taking a shot at the end of the first half anyway. So you should have known that coming in. That's part of film study. Uh, so that has to go to the coaching staff. But you're right about that two-point conversion. It hit him right St. Brown right in the hands. He had a rough day. He had a rough game. I mean, he was dropping passes. I, I know it was tight coverage. Those referees were letting him play throughout the game. Uh, but and so those corners were getting physical with him. But St. Brown had a very tough game on Sunday. But that but that two point conversion, you're right because that that would have cut the lead from five to three. And that and, and with everything that happened after that, the game winning uh, that touchdown that Rodgers uh, could have went they could have went for it on fourth down could have potentially been the game winner instead of the game tying touchdown. So you're right. That that was a huge momentum swing. Absolutely. On the opposite side, let's talk about the Tampa Bay offense. You may not like them. You may disguise them. You, you may not think heavily of him, but you have to respect him. Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl appearance. Put this into perspective, Mike. Only LeBron James and Tom Brady's the only two individuals that's played in 10 finals or championship games. This is remarkable. This is pantheon great. Uh, th- there aren't words, enough words to even speak of what he's done. And, and Tampa's offense, I had concerns and doubts, Mike, because they, they play in a sunshine state and, and their blood is thin. I didn't know how they would play in at Lambeau, but they ran the football with Leonard Fournette very well. And of course, when you have Tom Brady as a starter, you always have a chance. I, I thought Tampa offensively, they were clicking on all cylinders, kind of like what we saw in the last five games of the season. Yeah, yeah, they definitely were. And um, but offensively, they were starting to click and things like that. But um. You know, if if, uh, if if people pay attention to what this Bucks offense looks like in these playoffs, they haven't looked tremendous throughout the playoffs as far as what we expect to see from them in the Super Bowl. And what I mean by that is they need a lot of help outside of Tom Brady. Tom Brady, as great as he is, and I've been saying this, against Patrick Mahomes in this Super Bowl, if he has to beat, if he has to be the one to, to overcome a, a Bucks defense that doesn't play well, that's not going to bode well for Tom Brady and his Bucks team. They need a full team effort in order to win this game. I mean, it's it's going to be one of those situations. Offensively, I love what I've seen from the Bucks that last five part, the last five regular season games, and I also like what I saw against Washington. I thought against Washington they played very well. What I but what I saw against New Orleans, um, in the divisional round, and then what I saw against the Packers in the NFC Championship caused shows me some cause for concern because you can't get that type of offensive effort. Uh, efficient wise, and just capitalizing your defense because if you because you, you you're putting a lot of a lot of pressure on your defense, they're going against monster on the other side. So offensively, it's it's been something special that we've seen the last five weeks. But in the playoffs, they've slowed down a bit, going against tougher competition. But like you said, what what Tom Brady has done has been spectacular. I mean, he's gone to ten Super Bowls. There's been fifty five. He's almost played in twenty percent of all Super Bowls. Eighteen percent to be exact, Mike. That's, that's, <laughs> that's crazy, you know. So Tom Brady is uh. One of the the greatest, one of the greatest of all time. He's playing. Um, he he he's playing. He hasn't been playing great, but he's he's playing good enough to get this team over the hump. And we'll see if that's good enough against uh, this Kansas City team in the Super Bowl. I agreed, agreed, Mike. I, and and I, I don't want to kind of defend this team, but the Saints the Saints had a top five defense all around. They can get after the the they can pass. They can get after the quarterback. I thought their back end, to me, Mike, was one of the best in the NFL. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins, 
to Lamarcus Lattimore to Jack Rabbit. I mean, the, I, that was really tough yeah. on the Bucks offense. So, and, and you saw the key to that game was not turn the ball over, let our defense feed, and force Breeze into turnovers and run the football. So Brady wasn't asked to do much in that game. Mm-hmm. But in this game, where I thought that I picked the Bucks to win is because I, I thought that the, the Packers' defense wasn't the Saints' defense. And I thought that there were holes in there that they could exploit. And they did. Yeah. The Saints aren't going to allow big plays. This is, that's, that's, that's not in the Saints' DNA. So um, I, I agree with you, Mike. Three interceptions. If you throw three interceptions against Patrick Mahomes, those six points that the Packers scored will equate to 21. Yeah. You're facing Tyreek Hill, Eric Bieniemy, uh Andy Reid, <laughs> Ty- uh, Travis Kelsey. This is an, a whole nother uh, uh, offense that you need a game plan for. So I, I expect to see, and we'll get to, you know, Super Sunday later on. Yeah. Um, or in, in other episodes. Uh, maybe I expect to see a, a game plan where you saw with the Saints simplify the game, not turn the ball over and things like that, where uh, Brady doesn't put the ball in harm's way, trying to put push the ball downfield, kind of like what he did against Green Bay. But, but nevertheless, the Bucks are going to the Super Bowl for their first time since 02. It, it's an unprecedented, unprecedented milestone. Like it is. It is. But Sebi, I have a question for you. It, you, a great point about what, what they did against New Orleans in order to win that game. But one of the things that saved New Orleans was that they had an older quarterback, too, that was aging as well. They couldn't push the ball down the field. This is a right. different ball game. This is going against Patrick Mahomes. He's probably the best quarterback in football right now. And that mm-hmm. offense yep. is looking stout. In order for them to win, you would have to think that Brady would have to beat him. Brady right. would have to be the one to do it, right? Right. Agreed. You know, so it's it's – it's, it's, it's going to be tough this game. It's going to have to be a different game plan. We're going to have to probably see one of the best games Brady's ever played. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting to talk about that for sure. And speaking of who they'll be playing at home in Tampa in their home turf, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. They return back to the Super Bowl. They're trying to go back-to-back. And, Mike, um, we, we both picked the Chiefs because of what we talked about last week with Javon, and that was the Bills' inability to run the football. You can't go into an arrowhead and expect to <laughs> throw the football 40, 50 times. And as great as Josh Allen has been, I think he deserves comeback player of the year. Okay. Um, the Bills' future is very bright, but their inability to run the football is key. And I think Brian Dable and Sean McDermott, that has to be priority number one. You've got the wideouts. You've got the tight end. Dalton Knox is excellent. You need a running back at that that can alleviate the pressure from Josh Allen. It, that doesn't mean that Josh Allen can't throw it 25, 30 times. So you need a guy that can also hammer it about 15, 20 times as well. And that has to be priority number one for the Buffalo Bills. If I'm the Bills, I, I know Travis Etienne will be a late first rounder. That's who I, I try to get. If, if Najee Harris is on the board, I try to get that because you're going to need that because in the next 10 seasons, you've got Patrick Mahomes in the conference. You've probably got Deshaun Watson in the conference. You've got Lamar Jackson. He's not going anywhere. He's in uh, uh, in Baltimore. You're going to need to run the football to keep these elite quarterbacks off the field in the AFC. Baker Mayfield isn't going anywhere. The, if I'm the Bills, that is priority number one heading into the offseason. And, of course, obviously you can get some offensive tackles to 
to protect your your prize franchise player. But I think the running game has to be uh, um, pressure number one. And number two, what I thought from this game, Mike, is for all the talks about Mahomes not being 100%, <laughs> he looked 100% to me, Mike. <laughs> I can figure out any deficiencies on him. The the Chiefs, they're they're just a load. They're, they're a load, Mike. They're, they're a handful to deal with. It's it's hard because when I look at tape, when whenever they, they go, you brought this up a few weeks ago, on third down, Mike, they don't look to convert third downs. They look to go deep, yeah. and they look to hurt you on third and longs, and it's it's always the third and longs. And then what I see is when they put Tyreek Hill in the slot, nine times out of ten, they're trying to go deep because they're trying to go deep and exploit matchups where – you know, he goes up the scene and he takes two with him as in terms of DBs and safeties. And then you have uh, Travis Kelsey underneath one-on-one against a linebacker or a smaller DB. And that's where they hurt you. It, they're just a load to hand, handle. And as great as the Buffalo Bills defense was, it was just unmatched. Um, so that was my two key takeaways on this. And, and we saw a dominant performance by the Chiefs. Yeah, we saw a team that 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 is taking that next step in their maturation process and developing a championship squad versus a team that's been there and that's that's had that's been in this game for three straight years and they know how to handle it. When Buffalo went up nine nothing, I feel like they their head may have gotten a little bit too big. You know, right. they're, 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 uh, a team and a, a group of players that haven't really been in that situation, and uh, you know, you just saw Kansas City said, okay. We've been here before. You know, last year, Houston, 24 nothing. Yeah, okay. We, 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 we can come back. 10 9 nothing. There's no big deal. They came right back and scored 21 points quickly in the second quarter. I mean, it was, it was in a blink. Not only, was, not only did they take the lead, but it was almost like the game was over because the momentum that they had carried over the, in one quarter, just in one quarter, they had eviscerated all the momentum that was gone. And from that point, it was a wrap. It was just them coasting, uh, just, just, just making plays and trying to end this game and, and, get, and get it over with because. Kansas City is just a better team right now. And Josh and, and Josh Allen, I commend him on having a great a great season this year. He had a great season. Josh Allen really improved and made some strides and stepped up. But he he had some improvement. One of a, a, a couple of the things I don't like from Josh Allen is the fact that he doesn't know how because he's so big and strong, he doesn't know how to go down. I mean, this guy's tackling him. Yeah, agreed. It's it's it's, it's times where he's He's trying so hard to make that next play. He reminds me of Carson Wentz a little bit or, or, or young Big Ben Roethlisberger a little bit back in the day. But he just he, – he wants to make – he's so strong and so big. He wants to make the, the, the big play so bad that he doesn't make the smart play sometimes. And that's where it comes to hurt him. And we saw it hurt him twice, at least two or three times um, in this game against Kansas City, especially in the goal line when he threw those interceptions. So that's something that he has to work on in the future. Uh, Buffalo has some, some, some uh, things to shore up in other positions as well to, to, to shore up this team. But Kansas City is just a low offensively. They're stout defensively. Uh, they just showed that when the playoffs come around, they know how to play ball. And uh, you just you just saw a stout, dominant performance after that first quarter from the Chiefs. And we got to give credit here to, to the defense. Tyron Matthew, he's been the heart and soul of the defense. Um, they've stepped up, Mike. Yeah. This is not an elite defense by any stretch. But in the postseason, their mentality is this. If if we can get if we can manufacture enough possessions to give 15, and that's Patrick Mahomes the ball, we know the more possessions that we can give them, the harder it is gonna be for any opponent. Yep. Because eventually they're gonna crack Mike. Yep. They're gonna score. Yep. They're they're gonna score. This is a team that they're gonna move the ball. 
they, they're going to move the ball. And I expect them to move the ball in the Super Bowl, right? It, this is – and the defense has really stepped up. And they know if teams move the ball against us in that red area, in the red zone, if we can hold them to three points, that is a win for us because we know that our offense is going to put up seven. And three and seven, last time I checked, you won't ever catch up to that. So it, it's analytics, Mike. The defense, they, they've really stepped up. And, and, and I got to give some props to that. Tyron Matthews definitely t- um, been the catalyst for that. Yeah, he has. And they, like I said, they, they have players on this team, man. They know. I feel like throughout the regular season, they know that they have such an elite quarterback and such an elite offense that they, I don't want to take plays off. But they're not as locked in and as focused as you see them in the playoffs. I mean, when I, when you watch these guys in the playoffs, if they play like this throughout the regular season, this Kansas City team can be one of the best teams we've ever, ever seen. They <laughs> could probably go unbeaten, Mike. You know, they could literally <laughs> go unbeaten if they play this much focus. They play in the playoffs throughout a 16 game regular season. You know, but uh, <laughs> we're just we're just seeing how special they are with all the talent and the players they have on that side. Agreed, agreed. There for sure. If Brady and, and 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 obviously Brady and uh, Mahomes is about to play in two weeks' time. There, I will be in Tampa, ladies and gentlemen, for that uh, covering that game um, there for sure. But to me, just a little quick, we haven't dissected the game yet. This is to me, this seems like the passing of the torch, Mike. Yeah. Obviously, Brady has been um, the face of the NFL for quite some time now. He may not be the face of the NFL maybe in the last five or six years, but. Overall, in his 2021 season tenure, he's pretty much been Mr. NFL. This, to me, seems like the passing of the torch, where he's in the tail end of his career, and Patrick Mahomes now, he's he's on every commercial. Head and shoulders, State Farm with Aaron Rodgers, the face of the NFL, only 25 years old, already a league MVP, Super Bowl MVP, a champion. If he can win this, he'll be a two-time champion. So this, to me, seems like the passing of the torch, and perhaps – Maybe uh, what the Patriots were in the early 2000s, a brewing dynasty, Mike. Yeah, it could be. It, it really could be that scenario. And, um, you know, all signs are pointing to that. This is the, this is the matchup everybody was waiting for, uh, the, the greatest quarterback of all time, one of, versus the, the, the best quarterback in the world today. I mean, this is just – it's one of, the, one of the top Super Bowl quarterback duos, duos that we've seen in history and in a long time. So – it's it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting, man. It's gonna be super competitive. You know, both these guys want it. Brady wants it because he wants to prove what he can do without Belichick and prove what he can do on his own with another team. And Patrick Mahomes is, is continuing to um, write his story and 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 add to his resume about potentially being later on down the line one of the greatest, if not the greatest, quarterbacks of all time. So it's a it's it's, it's definitely a, a chess match between two and. We'll see, we'll see who, who comes out who comes out in the end, man. We'll see who comes out of the end for sure. It seems like the king versus the hair apparent. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. Two weeks time. When we come back, our featured guests, the two ladies from Las Vegas. Sad season for their Raiders. But uh, we'll go ahead and speak up to them about what they saw in championship weekend and look ahead. To Super Bowl 55, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, live in Stitch Studio Z.
And we are back here with our second segment on our show, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, proud and presented by Opulent Inventory. 20% off promo code podcast gets you your Apple product of your dreams. 20% off promo code podcast. Our next guest, I consider the two the best female tandem in the game. That would be Mo and Mel from Girl Chat Sports, live from Las Vegas. Ladies, how are you guys doing today? Just wonderful. Good, good. Just wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for having us on. Absolutely, absolutely. So what's crazy is I, I went to Las Vegas, um, I want to say during the pandemic. And I stopped by and I was like, I cannot be here un- unless I see you guys. So I, I didn't get a... I didn't get the information from uh, of Mel, but I got Mo and I was like, okay, well, we're going to have to try to coordinate this because I can't come here and not see any of you guys. So ended up that we went to some sushi. What was it? It was a sushi spot, wasn't it? Yeah, it was if in the front I'm... of the mall. It was a uh, raw sushi. Yeah, raw sushi, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we met up and stuff like that. And you could not stop talking about West Coast herbs, West Coast this, West Coast that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait, so Mo's here, where's Mel? I was asking, where's Mel's at? The Mel, I couldn't find Mel the whole time, which is crazy, but it's a pleasure to have you ladies on. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you again. Thank you. I'm not sure what I was doing, but uh, I guess I must have been busy. I could have been out of town. Who knows? But pandemic, I've been home, I think, most of the time. I don't think you were here in town. <laughs> I think you were in Seattle that I we might not came. Have oh, maybe. You were taking Seattle trips. Yeah. sushi spot was really good actually yeah it was (laughs) it was it was nevertheless um yes it's nice to have you ladies on um so let's get right into it obviously the biggest thing in the sports world now is the nfl playoffs championship weekend i want to get you guys um perspective on this um what you guys saw on both sides of the bracket the afc and the nfc and what should you guys probably expect going into super sunday in about two weeks Uh, I mean, I think the the Bucks the Bucks defense came out with a vengeance. It was something that I I know I knew they had a decent defense, but seeing them play against the Packers, they they really did phenomenal in shutting and shutting them down pretty well. Um, so I'm, it, it'll be interesting to see if that continues on because I haven't seen the Bucks defense necessarily play that hard every game. But it's Super Bowl Sunday, so you would expect that everybody comes in with that. Um, I just you know it's one of those things where. I don't. I don't know about you guys. I, I'm not a Tom Brady fan. Um, I do. I do enjoy the Bucks, but um, I can't. You know. I know Mo will get into her reasons why she she's fine with the Bucks winning, but uh, I, I'm going to be pulling for the Chiefs. I know it's going to be it's, it's going to be a, a tough game. It's going to be a high scoring game. I think, in my opinion. I mean, you got Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Both these guys could win the game with under a minute left. So it could be down to the wire. Well, you can't come to the show and start the Tom Brady slander. I think Mike already knew where I was going with this. I think Mike already knew where I was going with this with the whole Tom Brady slander. But look, um, I I know Mo, you hate the guy. You you can. I don't hate him. I don't hate the guy. Like I had to tell somebody this on the show. I am taking hate out of 2021. It's a dislike <laughs> or anything. I can respect his game. I can respect who he is. Yes. And just so we're clear, this shouldn't be no surprise that the Bucks won against Green Bay when they beat them 38 to 10 in the regular season. The Bucks uh, did. 
So I think with Tamel's point, yes, defense showed up awesomely because there's no way a quarterback can throw three interceptions in a divisional game and still win the game. Like that was crazy. And that's the madness of Brady. I'm riding with the Bucks, and it's quite the conundrum for me. And I set this on our show. We just finished our show. That being a Raiders fan, you never want to see anybody in your division that's not the Raiders going to a Super Bowl. And then going to Tampa Bay, it's like their last Super Bowl appearance was with the Raiders over 10 years ago. So it's it's tough. But the thing of it is, is I have money riding on this. Now I'm talking money. So I had put a ticket out a while back when it's plus 700 to see if Tampa Bay goes to um, the Super Bowl and wins. I got $400 riding on it. So I'm going to roll with Tampa Bay. It's just that easy. I'm going to sit back and watch and see what my money does. I'm not, I'm looking for a great, exciting game. I'm looking forward to that. And I don't want it to be anything of a, of an upset, but this is the second time these two are meeting up. So payback could be a mother if Tom comes back because Pat Mahomes beat him the last time in the Super Bowl. So it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good, especially that they're playing in Tampa. I think they get an advantage with that. 20,000 fans. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Good point. Yeah, I, hey, like I said, I got four hundred dollars riding on this. I'm I'm wanting to see my payout. That's what I want to see. When money talks, that's what all matters. Yeah. Um, a big story in that football game was: um, Did the Packers lose this game, or or did Matt Lafleur lose it for them? Uh, what 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 do you guys stance on that? I don't know, Matt. I, I question both. I, I I mean, the thing of it is, is. Aaron Rodgers is so good at reading the field and, and making great playmaking decisions. And I don't know if it was a communication breakdown between him and LaFleur because they were kind of going back and forth with it. Uh, I think they should have ran the ball. I think it should have gone for – something should have happened. There was a field of green, wide open. Why no one did anything to react to that, I have no clue. And I don't think Matt LaFleur is going to um, lose his job over it. But it does give some thought to what Aaron Rodgers might do for the next season. He says he doesn't know where it's going to go, doesn't know who's going to stay. So it's going to be interesting. I I just don't know who dropped the ball on that. It just was a breakdown from Green Bay. They just didn't play good the whole game to me, in my opinion. They really didn't. Agreed. So go ahead, Mike. Yeah, yeah, great point. Bucks Bucks are good money in the Super Bowl, in my opinion, as well. So I'm I'm with you on that one. But uh, I, I will say, um, in this Super Bowl coming up between Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, where do you rank this uh, court, Super Bowl quarterback duo matchup as far as all-time quarterback duels? Mm, I don't know. Mel, what do you think? I, I think this is a good one. I mean, I think you got two of the best coming out of both divisions currently. Yeah. I think he'll be more so successful with his his um I think if anything, Pat Mahomes is very successful because of his line. I think if you took a Pat Mahomes and put him in like Jacksonville, for instance, with no line, yeah, he could throw the ball, but who's gonna catch it? Right. And I think and I think it also comes down to the coaching at this point, because you've got an Eric B. Enemy and an Andy Reid. That Eric B. Enemy is offensively just a man, just a mastermind at plays. Right. So I think with ranking it as far as the best type of matchup to see in elite quarterbacks, are you talking about as far as in football yeah, history like, or just yeah, like yeah, like, like in recent memory or, or that you've seen? You know, like is this one of the best quarterback duos in the Super Bowl that you've ever seen? 
I think I probably would have rather have seen it with Aaron Rodgers uh, and or maybe even seen it with Drew Brees. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I would say this probably is for what we've got going on right now. Yeah. Pat Mahomes is reigning MVP. I mean, yeah. To, to now. Yeah. What you- and it, it, it's funny you mentioned that about the, uh, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes benefits a lot from his offensive line because two of his starters are going to be out of this game. Uh, potentially um, going into the Super Bowl, so and going against that defensive line, that that, that could spell yeah, trouble. and that does spell trouble because again, in in even in Kansas City, they don't really have a strong defense themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have to come to very very strategic offensive playing for both for them. It really is. They really are going to have to try to come with it. Agreed. And it what could you- be Tom Brady's year. I mean, if he gets seven, I can't be mad at the guy. He's a goat. And I like him. Let's <laughs> go, you know. What do you think? What's your take as far as the matchup, Mel? What do you think? Do you think this is the best matchup you've seen between quarterbacks? Um, you know, I mean, I think because it's Patrick Mahomes is still. I mean, granted, he's great and he's good, but he's also so new. I can't say it's been it's the best. I mean, I think yeah, if we had seen like. Rodgers against Brady, that was pretty phenomenal. I think we all know Tom Brady, whether you like him or not, like me, you know he's the GOAT. Like, he is the GOAT of the NFL. He is the greatest quarterback, I think, that has been around. Um, You know, I just – I don't know if I can say the greatest matchup yet. Um, Again, it's going to – I want to see the game because there's been games where you think, you know, you know somebody's going to do well and they don't show up. So I want to see how both come for the game because everybody has an off day. Even Super Bowl is any given Sunday. So you never know what may happen. To me, I think think it is to me. I I think of like the the Super Bowls when you look at the line, maybe, you know, Montana and Marino, but we've only seen that one. When I think about Brady and – Mahomes, these are the last two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Um, Mahomes is already a Super Bowl MVP, league MVP. He's got all these accolades. And Brady's kind of like in the tail end of his career. So it seems kind of like the, you know, the passing of the torch where like one is leaving and there's a hair apparent that's coming. So I, I think it is. I think. I think it is. That's because you like Brady so much. I mean, how can you not like the man? Come on. I can respect his game. I, I can respect him. who he is. I, I can know. respect. But you have to understand, too, yeah. Tom Brady is a man that does not get as many touches either. He has a line that protects him. He gets sacked, yes, occasionally. He never, he yes. never gets Always had a good too line. physically broken to a certain degree. And he's got this regimen with the no tomatoes for the for, so he doesn't have the, you know, flare-ups yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But to be 43... They all got to they all got to join great. the regiment. They all got to join the regiment. Man, like and to be 43, I mean I'm 45. There's no way I can get well, out there. I can barely throw a baseball across the dog floor, uh, across the room. You know, I mean, he is incredible. I have to give him that. I do. But uh it's going to be like I said, it's going to be an interesting thing to see. It's just a different jersey, like it's a different jersey. Yeah, but you know what, though? If I had millions and millions of dollars that I could pay for nutritionists and trainers and have my own product. I mean, there's so much difference. I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, we're in our 40s and we can't even handle a a, a, a 20th of what he has to do. But if we had the money to pay for all that to keep ourselves in that kind of shape and you're getting paid that much money to do so. I don't know. I don't I know mean, if it would be I that hard. Know. Aaron Rodgers well, is up there in age, too. Getting... He looks a little broken. And ben, Big Ben has the money, too. I don't, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. He's a different. 
But I don't think they. I don't think they really cares. I really don't he think Big Ben doesn't. for sure don't care. He as probably much. I think he's and, just. And it's probably yeah, that like drama killer yeah. mentality <laughs> for Tom Brady that he just is so locked in <laughs> that that's what he wants to do. But he is definitely right. legendary for what he's got. But I, like I said, some will argue that Joe Montana is the best quarterback because he's never lost a Super Bowl. That he hasn't been in, you know. So it's a debatable thing, but I think with six rings and what we're seeing in this guy, uh, it is something truly magnificent. It's hard to argue. Well, we it's hard the, to argue, yeah. When we look at the opposite side of, of the equation in the AFC, where do you guys think the Bills went wrong, or do you guys just think that they were unmatched against the Chiefs? First time out the gate. Let's give Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. It's a first time. Yeah, timer. I think, you know, it's like a little, sure. it's, it's new, new day jitters. First day of school. You know, this is a big dance for them. And I don't dispute that they won't be back again. Mm-hmm. I think they will. They keep getting better and better as the season progresses. I had the Bills on my fantasy season before, and their defense was amazing. I knew the Bills were quite a contestable uh, team. So I was not surprised with their season whatsoever because I saw how they were performed, how they performed last season. So they can only get better mm-hmm. with Stefan Dick staying out on that field, watching the ceremony. That's just a motivation tactic. That's going to say, Hey, he's going to bring it next season later yeah, on. Mm-hmm. He really is. Now, do you, do you feel like Buffalo will be able to handle going from being, going from being the hunter to now being the hunted? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Because you're going to have a Baltimore Ravens team that's going to try and come after him. You're going to have a Tennessee Titans team that's going to try and come after him. You're going to have a lot of strong contingent teams in the AFC division that's going to try and come after them. But are they going to be a match for them? I don't think so. If they keep who they've got. And then who knows with the draft and stuff who they get. Right. They do. And they got some youth Mm -hmm. on that team, which is great. I mean, you can't help but have a young team that's doing phenomenal already. I mean, Buffalo Bill fans are are happy, even just like Browns fans. They're both happy, even though the season didn't end the way they wanted. You've got to give it up for how their season went and what they accomplished in that season. And for Stephon Diggs only coming in this year, like we saw a whole yin-yang of him. We saw him in Minnesota, not excelling, not doing well, unhappy. He comes to Buffalo. Mm -hmm. He's getting fed. He's looking great he's getting passes he's making unbelievable plays like you can't help but just appreciate how just a change of team or change in environment yeah. can help he's you he's a truth game. he really he is. is he really he is, is. He's, pro. he's he's really good he's yeah. really good yeah now i mean they threw the ball a lot in that game do you guys think that because that's something i mentioned i think they need to get a running back obviously josh allen is great and everything but i think they need to run the ball more what do you guys think of that You know, here's the deal with running backs, too, is I think we saw it a lot this season. I know we saw it a lot last season is that running backs are, like, usually the first ones down and hurt. So you've got to also – even though it's great to have that running back and to use that running game, you can't count on that because they're not lasting yeah, so long. These they guys are. are dropping and they're little, like so they're flies. getting banged up just worse than they used to do in previous seasons. Mm. Yeah, but I think dual threat is always the best. I mean, if you can, you know, that way you can always change up your game plan. Other teams don't know how to cover you necessarily because you can always make those changes. But you can't just think, oh, yeah, we're going to do great. When and Josh Allen runs the ball amazingly. He gets yardage. You know, like, it's not an issue for him, you know? Oh, he sure. is. He's, well, he's, he's a big that. quarterback. Yeah. It's hard. You know, it's great when you have a, a big bar- quarterback. Like yeah, nice. yeah. yeah no, no, no doubt. With, uh, you talked about the Bills and the Browns. Teams that overachieved this season and played very well. What are some teams you looked at this year and you feel like they underachieved, especially in the playoffs? I was just going to bring that up now. 
<laughs> I was good. How? What happened to the Seahawks? The Saints, yeah. Because I had the Seahawks at worst. Man, in the listen. Title. I had them in the NFC title game. I did too. I mean, we all did. That's the whole point. I felt like we could have went to this, not how we played in the in that wild game, but I feel like how we had played throughout the season, we could have beat the Rams, beat the Saints, and gone to play the Packers, and that would have been a challenge for us. Um, but what happened in that wild card game, I don't think even the team still understands what happened. It's like everything they had been doing throughout the season just kind of fell out the window. I know injuries, injuries for us are always an issue, which is a problem. Um, but I know there's, always, you know, and, and with the firing of our OC and with the, you know, kind of un- instability of like the different offense defensive players, um, you know, being injured and the offensive line never starting all at the same time because they'd had so many injuries there. It's like it was never it, it was it, it wasn't working solid. And, I mean, I'm going to talk about Russell Wilson because this guy, I don't know what's going <laughs> on in his head. <laughs> But my own personal philosophy is that he was taking a lot of his own personal stuff and it was kind of overtaking part of he his got, football mentality. Like, and <laughs> Well, here's the deal. And I'll take it back. Back to the Arizona Sunday night game. It was Sierra's birthday. That game was supposed to be at 1 o'clock Pacific time, our time. It ended up getting flexed to the Sunday night game. So therefore he could not get back to Seattle that night, you know, probably in the time he thought he was going to be earlier to help celebrate her birthday. The next day you see her have this whole post about her birthday and how he made it special. And of course, I'm sure he's stressing. I mean, he could have done that birthday celebration. He could have done that that on Saturday night or something or Friday and posted late. Man, listen, you know, he didn't. Then it was the Buster Rhymes and Janet Jackson Halloween video. They did all that stuff on Saturday. They had a big game Sunday and lost. I mean, there's different things that have happened throughout the timeline of our losses that I feel correlate to what I, they're I doing. Too, well, too he, much of a too big of a rock star right well, now. Well, he got that big contract, so he feels like he probably doesn't have to. Like, and that's the difference between him and a Brady. Like Brady has that mentality that he wants to win. It's like, what do you want to do in this league? Do you want to be a winner, or do you just want to be able to play and have fun? Well, I'm not doubting that he doesn't want to win. I just feel like he also was a very you know, he's very into family. He's very centered around, you know, he just had a new baby as well. It's like, and I'm not trying to judge that. I'm just saying like, I feel like we were seeing a lot more of his off time versus what he needs to be doing on the end time. We see him work out every day. He works out every day in the off season. We see his videos about him working out, getting practices and getting reps in, having players come to his house and do different stuff. But we didn't see that same mentality shown to us throughout the whole season. He came out the he came yeah, out the gate phenomenal. We're talking, MVP, first, we're talking yeah. MVP, and then come you know week six, six and seven, all of a sudden it's like what happened to Russ? And then he came back for a few games, and then it was a struggle, and then it became this you know then the person that we always knew we could count on fourth quarter, two minutes left, that person wasn't there when it came against the Rams one game. It wasn't there when we came against the Cardinals one game. Like I hate we were to having admit issues. it, but I think. I think the league caught up to you guys. They started to figure yeah. teams out. They started to figure teams out. They knew that, you know, they, they threw the ball a lot mm-hmm. with with Russ. They wanted to throw the ball deep to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And I thought I think teams just started saying, We're not gonna let them go deep anymore. And I think that's what the Rams did. And and well, I, I don't know. I just I, I think you yeah. know the Rams just they the Rams have always given Seattle problems for years, years and years and years. And Rams I think and Cardinals, the league no just how caught up to you guys. They always do. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think it's that, but it's also that when you're, when we're always trying to go for deep balls and get that, get that, you know, long pass, we forget that we've got running. We've got, I mean, last year we made it to the playoffs with a four, with a four string running back. And not to say that that was great, but we're still able to contend. I mean, we have, we had good running backs, but the thing is that Chris Carson was injured one day. Then the next day, Carlos Hyde is injured. Then the next day it's, I mean, before you know it, we had, we had, um, uh, what's his name? Alex. Uh, yeah, the third string guy. Yeah. Shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thirsting Burke came in. He, you know, but it's just, you know, we weren't able to rely heavily on the running game, which does help us. And our offensive line isn't helping our our running backs at all and giving them any chance because they were down and out too. So it's, it's a whole lot of factors. I feel. I just hopefully it, it gets fixed because we're at this cusp where. We're not doing bad, camp- but we're not doing great. Champ- so we're getting stuck yeah. in the middle. We're getting right. terrible, you know. I was chaos. just saying it's your championship huh? window, and you guys have to capitalize on it. Uh-huh. I, I, I feel like they're yeah. one of those miss-their-moment type teams. Same with the 49ers in the NFC. Like, you have a chance to come back, but can you make it to the big show? Not with these teams that are able to read them and read how they play and break them down defensively and all – and off. I mean, break them down offensively. They've got to do a lot of work over there in Seattle. There's no more Legion of Boom anymore, and they got to figure it out because it's a frustrating thing to watch. As a, and I'm not even a Seahawks fan, but to watch their games, it's very frustrating. It's very stressful, and it should not. It's stressful. Be. The stressful. Is no excuse for the way he's he played this later I half of the season. They need to get some defensive crazy. guys, too. and they do. They need big. They need big defensive guys. They had Jamal right. Adams out there. I mean, they've got opportunity, but they need. They do. That's they need it. an offensive line. <laughs> We haven't had an offensive line since, since Russ was drafted. I don't even know the last time. <laughs> yeah, it, it is hard when you line. pay that. You know, but the thing is that Russell, Russell this year decided. Russell this year decided that he didn't know how how was scrambling. Like, yeah, all of a sudden the man who's known for running the ball and can always get that first down or scrambling, he wasn't doing it. He was waiting too long and then mm-hmm. getting sacked. That's a problem. Like it was like he was he was he was he was like questioning himself at this point. Like, we know what you can do. You can make the pass. You can run it, but you got to make that instinct decision and he wasn't Take it out of his head decision when it was he really does <laughs> y'all making me sweat over here i'm getting hot well, let's go ahead and switch it to here. we don't want you guys sweating at all this is myself and mike's favorite time um we do this with all of our guests just to get into the personal life of you guys um just off of sports and everything it's easy questions we give you guys scenario like questions you pick this or that um, and I'll let you start off, Mike. Overrated or underrated? Um, the overall NFL playoffs uh, before the, so far. Like the NFL playoffs so far, overrated or underrated? Uh, I'm uh, in the middle. It's a gray because those Bears shouldn't have been there. And even with the uh, NF- yeah. NFC East, it was bad. I I, I don't know. It's a great thing. I, I don't know. I can't say it was underrated yeah. or overrated. The NFC East it just makes the it NFC so hard East, to, to judge something like that. It really does. Under 500. I'm a the fact that under 500 I'm a Giants fan. Don't remind me. Hey, and honestly, <laughs> I, yeah, honestly, I was going for you guys. But I just know that those doggone Cowboys and them Eagles, it just was problematic. I just didn't like yeah. Well, right. and the Saquon for, injury wasn't helping for, for nobody. Answer, you know the division is bad when the Redskins, when, when the Washington football team is the one on top with seven wins. <laughs> Man, you know listen. You yeah, that's crazy. 
Yeah. But Chase Young, man, that boy. Like, it makes you want to tank your team just so you can get somebody <laughs> like that to be on. Like, let me, <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't want to keep on going 10 and 6 or 12 and 4 if we're not going to do nothing. Like, we might as well just go like 4 and four and 12 and just get us a couple great pieces. Yeah, I don't think you guys want to take that kind of risk. You don't yeah, want to do that. Whole, definitely want to do it. Yeah, you definitely don't. Yeah. I know we don't. I'm just saying. But, you know, when you see yeah. players like that that we can never get our hands on. Raiders could get away with like doing a, something like that, know, but you guys can't for sure, man. The, they they don't grow on trees. No, they don't. Sure. Yes, yeah. Trees for sure. Here's a good no. one. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the verse mm-hmm. has actually even happened. Um, Ashanti or um, I forgot who. Keisha Cole. It already happened. Yeah, it should have never been the two of them. Keisha Cole needs to never come back on a verse. It should have been Maya against Ashanti. No. That's the level. Ooh, that's, that's the that genre. That's yeah, the better. That would have been classy. You think it was? You think it was ruined based, uh, uh, also because it was delayed and it was last No, month, it's just, it's Keisha Cole. It's just bad. No, did you see the, no, here, it wasn't it. She sat there and didn't come on because her, her view, her angle or whatever was, she was right there. I read a post that said that she was, when she did her little fake apology that was somebody else's like uh, podcast, like the next day, mind you, she didn't apologize when she came on late. She was just like, oh, hey, 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 who's first? She didn't say my bad. I'm sorry. She didn't say, hey, you know what, everybody. Sorry, it took so long. She came back the next day and said, "Oh, I was there. You know, I should have. I should have just gone on." But she was there for that whole hour and a half plus, not coming on, having Ashanti sit there. And they want to come on and have a whole. Diva I just wasn't attitude. even interested like, in this no, verses to begin with. To I be just, honest with you, before the COVID and all that, because I, my opinion was no. Maya and Ashanti should have done the matchup. I like Keisha Cole, but I don't know a few of her songs. I didn't think she had Keisha enough fingers to go up against Keisha, Ashanti. Keisha mm-hmm. Cole's unmatched. Like, she can't go against Ashanti. Ashanti's... No, she should have gone against someone a little bit more or no. less than mm-hmm. that. Maybe one of these love and hip-hop people or something. I don't know. It just wasn't the right... <laughs> it just wasn't the right... I, I saw the verses and I, I tapped it for a second. Right. The Lakers were playing. I'm like, I'm not about to watch this and my Lakers were playing. Are you kidding me right now? Anything was better than this. Like, I tuned in for a second to see if she came on, then I tuned back out. Went back in, saw her, had her attitude. Only reason they had that many viewers is because this is one of those verses that it it kind of overlaps different generations. So you got some young kids, some older people. But then it's all, it's all about TNA. Like, you saw her tatas were wow. all in the... It, I mean, that's all people... I, only comments I saw from my friends on Facebook were about what was happening. What would, wow. doing, what would be so your ideal verses? Who um, I'm over the verses to be quite honest with you because we're not stuck in the house anymore. You actually can do some things. Um, the verses was cool when we was kind of locked down, and the fact that they're not meeting in the studio together and they're doing this back and forth phone thing, the sound quality is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw my my best verses. I saw the E40 and Too Short. I thought that was great. I mm-hmm. I that saw my verses with ever. um. Even though they had issues, the baby face and Teddy Riley, I saw my legends and I saw the Snoop Dogg one. I appreciated mm-hmm. that. Right. So I kind of got my verses already in, in my opinion. Yeah. What did if you guys think wasn't... about Gucci Man and Jeezy? Just... Oh, yeah. I love that one. That was my that favorite was because good. I'm a fan of both of them. And I have um, Gucci Mane's book and I'm a Gucci Mane fan. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like Gucci Man. But Gucci Man always puts me in the mood when I was driving. 
You drive around yeah. old traps listening to Gucci Mane. That was the one uh-huh. you turned corners, yep. hitting corners, <laughs> doing something you weren't supposed to be doing when you listening to Gucci Mane. So I was all uh-huh. for that one. And Jeezy. I'm a fan of both. Jeezy gets you hyped in the clubs. Gucci Mane is in your car hitting them corners, doing, <laughs> doing wrong when you're not supposed to be doing the right thing. So I always, I, I appreciated that one. I think you've got so many levels of artists that you really can't disrespect to put them on an Instagram and go live from, especially when the sound quality is bad. You can't do the verse. You got to have them together. You've got you to have them do, together. You got to. You can't do, do from together. my phone to her to Mel's phone. Like it just doesn't sound good. It's terrible. The recording is, is bad. It, yeah. Is it even a versus or is it more like a celebration of legends? I think it's a celebration of legends on certain ones. Certain ones. I think now certain, certain ones. ones are well, celebration of legends. When you know there's no comp, it, yeah. it's a celebration of legends. When there's actually literal competition, like yeah. early on when like you had uh, Little John going against T Pain, that was a really good one. Yeah, they both had the studio call. And, and T Pain, mm-hmm. people sleep on T Pain. I was like, he brings it, but Little John has bangers, and people don't know oh, that. Yeah. And if you're musically oh, inclined yeah. and you know these things, you you can see it. But um, Versus was cool. I think that was the best thing out of the pandemic that I got out of it was actually having a celebration of music with the Versus. There's, I really don't want to know why to touch it now. There's there's negotiations that Futures, and I like Travis Scott, but I, I don't even think yeah. that's, a, that's a matchup. I'll pass. See, it's getting stupid. Yeah. Uh, it's getting uh, stupid now. See, and I don't, and I, I don't mind yeah. Astral World. I like Travis Scott. Right. But, but, future, but I don't see the two of them to this, together. Though. I don't know. There about is. Yeah. It was stupid when they suggested that Jeezy go up against T.I. You can't go against T.I. Come on, stop it. T.I. was king of the South before they even mm-hmm. got on. Like, you got to stop this kind of madness. But if they do, yeah, do the versus. would be nice, though. Yeah, but if they do. I don't know. T.I. and Dre would be cool. If they do the verses of No Limit against Cash Money, I'm there for it. If it's No Limit for Cash Money, that's probably the only one. Yeah. Right. If that's the only one one that they ever come out with, that's the one I'd go I'd watch. And they'd have to be together. Bump the studio away from phones type stuff. You'd have to literally do it. I hope once everything is over with COVID, it kind of revolutionizes to do tours where people can safely go and say, oh, we're doing versus concerts. I would rather see that in oh, person. That, that would be really cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. Oh, that's a dope yeah, idea. Yeah, that would be really cool. See, Timberland and them need to holler at me. I got plenty. I got ideas. <laughs> I got ideas. She got ideas. She got ideas. I got a list. But I would like to see No Limit and Cash Money if it had to be another one. That would probably be the one I'd tap into. That would All be right, great. This, I like to uh, see Lil Wayne we on the one. music. Since, since we, oh yeah, that'd be dope. Since, since we, since we on the music tip, uh, this or that, J Cole or Kendrick Lamar? Ooh, that's hard. Why would you do that to me? I gotta I go to. with it's Cole. Two, two I think I gotta go with. Ah, that's so hard. Why would you? Cole do is that? the goal. Cole. Cole is. He's so dope. The take... North Carolina boy, but Kendrick too. I Kendrick just, is oh hard. my god! Why Kendrick would you do that to me? Mo's a big I'm a, Kendrick I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a yeah. typical guy, but I, even I can. I've seen it hard is hard. I've seen them both. Kendrick, oh my god, I've seen them both. Jesus, I, I just think that I, I, it's hard, and and it's close. But but J Cole has a little bit more versatility, I think, than than, than yeah. J Cole has I, range, I and his lyricism is ridiculous. Now, if you had said J Cole and Anderson Pac or something, <laughs> I, again, these are hard when you get into these lyrical battles. And Kendrick hasn't really, he's been in the lab. We haven't heard much from Kendrick. So I'm not saying that he's not right. doing anything, but I just know when Kendrick's on that West Coast with Buddy and he does collabs with um, 
problem and he does stuff with dj quick i mean it's just so many levels to kendrick too that we just don't know but i'm a music person so that's a hard one i like j cole i'm gonna go with my north carolina boy j cole because i saw him in la in concert with uh 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 what's his name uh evil what's his name evil something evil something but it was so good and he's amazing so yeah, I'm a fan. For sure. He would he would be my ideal guy for a Super Bowl. Yeah, the weekend is boring to me. I saw the weekend at a festival and I walked away. I just wasn't into it. Yeah, do y'all remember that All Star game when he performed at halftime? Oh yeah, really like J Cole is dope. I like Cole. I'm that was all crazy. About it. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Take <Yeah. laughs> uh. Beyonce, Bay. I'm a Bay Hive girl. Don't even try me. I like Riri, but I'm Bay all day. <laughs> what do you think, Mel? <sighs> yeah, I mean, Beyonce just got some some stuff that Rihanna couldn't touch. But I mean, Rihanna's great. I love her. I, I, you really I mean, can't. I just no. you can't. Bay I is mean, the level. You can't on certain things. You just can't. Now Beyonce. Rihanna Tyrone Wright has branded herself and done great <laughs> with the Fenty cosmetics, Fenty lingerie, and all that great parlaying. Right. Beyonce is just the truth. Yeah. Yes. Commercially, she really is untouchable. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Mm, man. Yeah. All right, uh, let's see. This or that. Um, hmm. Oh no, I'm gonna go overrated or underrated. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. underrated. Oh my god. Very underrated. Oh That's a no brainer. <laughs> underrated. Very underrated. That hundred million is not for him. I, I... I think indifferently, but you think, think he's time. over. You think he's. You think he's. He's over. I think he's over. He's overrated. That's I, what I, I meant. I'm sorry, not underrated. Thing. I think he's overrated. I think after this, this season, he's overrated. This is why no, I, I agree. Overrated. I mean, for I ten years, ten years, ten year contract. He's not the old Tampa Bay. I mean, he's oh, overrated. Okay. I do agree. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm sorry. I meant to say oh, under. Okay, I didn't mean to say okay, underrated. Okay. I meant overrated. Very underrated. Overrated. Oh, yes. I yes. was like very really overrated. Yes. I'm like Mo don't like him. He's terrible. He is not <laughs> for our franchise. He's ten years, hundred million. He promises that he's gonna. Um, Over- he says that he's going to. And for uh, ten years, give the money that's just... if he doesn't do what he's intended to do. But what does that mean? You know, like, are you getting us to a Super Bowl? Are you getting us to a playoff contention? I mean, what is it? He just is, he's, he's, he's bad. I mean, I, I still wrestle with that whole game against the Miami Dolphins and the fact that, you know, you let, uh, you had Mariota come in. He didn't have Mariota come in. You had Mariota come in one other game and he was doing well. And to have Derek Carr come back after a growth, no player comes back in a week from a growing injury. LeBron was out for half the season on a growing injury. So who comes back in a week to play in a football game for a growing injury? That makes no sense. Like, why would you do that? And it's because of Derek Carr and his little, you know, insecurities of I got to prove myself that I belong here and I, I need to not be traded and I need to be the face of this franchise. But it's just not a good look. I'm not happy. Not at all. What do you guys what do you guys think about this duo? Underrated or overrated? Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. They're about what and what. Mm. I hate to say it. Hello? 
Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, it cut out again. Sorry. Yeah, oh, we can hear you. Jack Prescott and Zeke Elliott. I, I which one? Which said this or that or was over or overrated or underrated? I'm is just that, like, so you're the, talking both of them together? Well, it's underrated. Period. Right, that's a tandem. Yeah. Right, I mean overrated. Period. Sorry, overrated. overrated. Yeah, I just think it's great. I, I, oh, oh, no. what, I mean, what? here's the deal: for Dak to get injured this year, and for Zeke to not even be able to perform or right. go out and show, and you know, at least try to do something, it was just, yeah, I can't. I just, I don't know. Um, I think Dak got potential, but I, I, I don't. Plus, it's the I don't Cowboys. Think he's a I can't. I can't really. I don't um, like the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys. Y'all, y'all think Zeke overrated? Yes. Really? Yes. This so season is especially. Well, I, they, they got a point with Dak. They do have a point what with Dak. What did he do for the What did he do this year? What did he do? Ever since he's gotten his money. Ever since he's Here's my philosophy since on Zeke. Money, Every know? new nose ring he gets, the worse he goes. Yeah. Like every season he's got one new <laughs> ring in his nose. I think he's got four or five now. And it just and gets the fact that he's still rocking nose rings in this, year, this time yes. is even Men a problem. Nose like, rings, no. period. I just, yeah, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Tupac era is big. Yeah, like, now. I don't understand what's going on with that. Man. It's, 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 but he didn't do anything this season. His, his, his career, like, his career average was bad. Like, I don't even think it was really successful for him. Deshaun Watson. Mm. I think he's underrated. I think he can. I think he's got great potential. I think hopefully he finds a spot that works for him. I mean, Texas. Well, Texas was, is for Texas coach. is not. I mean, I don't think it's going. I don't know. If he'll well, they just announced a new coach tonight. They got David Culley from Baltimore Ravens, so maybe he'll consider. You want the you want the Raiders to pull the string on that? We can't afford. That would, we can't get him. Nice, It'd be nice, though. but we Man. we're not going to get him. Our GM Mike Mayock ain't looking at him, and him and Gruden are like so thick as thieves right now. They're all about car, and they may. Uh, I don't think Mariota will be back with us, but it'd be nice to get Deshaun. But Deshaun won't get no playing time. It'd be a waste. Why is there Mariota? Ah, uh, yeah, let's talk about that another time. I don't want to get into it. I, I pretty much ended my season last game at home. I pretty much ended our season. I heck, I ended our season when we played the Jets. To be honest with you, I was over right. it after that. I was like, when's basketball starting? At that point, I knew we were wrapped. So it is what it is. Here's one. All right, let's go back. Let's let's go basketball then. Uh, overrated or underrated? Uh, very overrated. overrated. As a Lakers fan, I'm saying very oh, overrated. Wow. So. And I'm and I, I and I'm I'm rooting for the Nets. I'm I was rooting for this big three, but I think as of right now, they're overrated. Like potential wise, sure it could work out great, but right now it's not working like that. It's not working as though what people thought could have been. Here's the deal with James Harden. He always likes new shiny mm. things. So when he's playing exactly how he played when he got to Houston, he was excited, happy to be with it, dropping 50, doing all this great stuff. He's doing the same typical pattern behavior coming over to the Nets. And to me, if you're going to selfishly play basketball, it's going to slow up your offense. Not everybody's going to get a touch on the ball. And it's been working pretty well with Kyrie back. But at the same time, They've lost to some quite contenders back-to-back. They lost to the Cavs twice. And I keep telling people, Cavs aren't no slouch. And, I mean, mm-hmm. they're shopping for Andre Drummond. They feel like they need another big because they got DeAndre Jordan over there. And I guess maybe if they do get Andre Drummond, then it's probably going to be a force, but they're no match for the Lakers, I don't think. And I don't think they're going to be a match for Philly. Like, we lost to, Lakers, to Philly tonight by one point, and I knew that was going to be our toughest match. 
They are huge. They're huge. all big. And uh, not to mention, yeah. they just aggressively, uh, if we slack on defense, which to me, Brooklyn doesn't have good defense. If you slack on defense, it's over. Because that's what happened with our first half of this Lakers game. Lakers weren't playing no D. And we just were in a hole. We were 18 points down. And it's great that we came back from the 18 points in the second half. But to lose by one at this point, it was it's bad. It's not a good look. And Philly's number one in the East right now. Brooklyn, they have a lot of work to do still. I don't discredit who KD is. I think he's a ma- monster. But they have no leadership on that team. KD is always the Robin. Who's the Batman? They need a leader. And I don't think they have a leader in those three. Well, you also got, you know, two guys that didn't play a whole season either. So you got to try and make chemistry with it. I mean, it's still early in an early enough in the season where these guys ain't played together. Really? They haven't, but there's no leadership. Like, who's going to run the point? Who's running the team? Like, there's no leader. Well, I mean, he should, but he's not a leader. He's always a backup guy. He's always going to be that Robin. He's not a leader. Right. He's not a leader because he's always been on other teams. You can't be a leader and keep on jumping teams. And I like Katie. Yeah, I like Katie too. He's the last standing Sonic, so I got to give him. I don't think I just don't see leadership in him. I always see him as a second man. Yeah, he came out. He came out uh, around the time he came. uh, He first went to Golden State and said he wasn't. He's never worried about being a leader. It's not. He's that's why I say he's no leader. He's never been like a leader. Like that's not his role. Like and to make him be the leader of that team is just not going to work to me. He's a, he's a he's a Robin. He's yeah. But that falls on Steve Nash. Now. Do you think do you think that falls on Steve Nash? Well, he's trying to manage his talent, Man. and he's got um he's got uh what's his name D'Antoni with him. He's got to try to manage that talent some kind of way. And I mean, they got rid of Jared Allen, so it's like you probably do need another big just to be successful. I'm not counting Brooklyn out, but you have to understand we're looking at an Eastern Conference where a Cleveland Cavaliers team that's quite scrappy is ranked number six in the East. Where our eight and eight teams, like I was explaining to Lissa on the West, are like ranked eleven and twelve. So it's just a it's it's right. it's that conference. It's just different, you know. And we have to see what happens after All-Star break. And we have to see what happens into the postseason. And that's the thing. Can you manage during the postgame in a series? Can you last? And that's the problem when it comes to And KD not take and, a day off. And, yeah, and that's what happens <laughs> with James Harden and a KD in running a series. And Kyrie. Can you do a seven-gamer against my Lakers? Or Clippers, for that matter, or anybody. The Jazz are unstoppable. Like, we're literally, I think uh, Jazz has now surpassed us in ranking now because they were just a, a game and a half behind us. And now that we lost, I think they're number one. <laughs> yeah, they're nice. They're really nice. Yeah, yeah they're, they're playing. They're, they're balling they're, out. They're, they're, they really are. I'm watching this Minnesota game right now against but, Golden State, and I had Carol Anthony Towns on my fantasy, and all these big players are getting hurt or they're getting COVID, and it's just messing me up, and it's – Messing the whole league up. So it's just kind of manipulating some of these stats right now and rankings in these teams on the East and Western Conference. Very frustrating. Yeah. Very, very frustrating. Let's switch it to uh, comedy <laughs> here. Um, Kevin Hart. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Kevin Hart is not funny to me. Kevin Hart is, is not funny. No, he is not. He is very kitschy. Oh. He's not funny. I can say that about. He's very one. He's a. He's a. He's a one. He's got that one kind of style. He's just that one stick. He's kitschy. He's that one stick and screaming and jumping, being a little man complex Napoleon comedy. No, he's not funny. He's not nearly as talented as Eddie Murphy. 
Really? I don't no. think he's funny. I think though. he's got I think he's funny, but I think it just gets overplayed because he does the same thing so often that you don't have a time to like really want to hear it again. Yeah, possibly. His stand up is just not good to me. Yeah. And and Eddie Murphy, that's a bad that's insulting, Sebby. Why would you even put them in you should have said Eddie and Richard. <laughs> I love Eddie, Eddie Murphy, like, but I, I thought that'd be a good comparison. I no, it's I not a good comparison. That's insulting to Eddie Murphy. How dare you? How dare you? That is yeah, so yeah, how, about, how about this? How about this? Dave Chappelle. I like Cat Dave Chappelle. Ooh, that's tough. But I like Cat, that's though. Cat is a fire. Nah, but Cat Williams Cat, is funny, what, too. See, and that's what people sleep on, Cat. They don't watch his Netflix. you got to watch his Netflix. No, thing. I watch his Netflix. No, I'm not saying you in particular. It's observational humor that gets political with Dave. Where it's just mm-hmm. comedy with cat and cultural comedy that gets blown out. That's just hilarious. Cat. Cat. He looks funny alone, right? Like the way, yeah. the way that he right. He looks on funny stage, alone, like, and face I like alone. It. Yeah, his hair, all that. Funny looking. Like yeah, too, but <laughs> exactly. I don't want to be on my Mount Rushmore of comedians. People have had this discussion before the Mount Rushmore of comedian. Is he on yours? Oh, he's over on Richard. Mine. Over Richard and Eddie. Yeah, he's on mine. He's one of. He's the oh no he's not oh he, I can't yeah so yeah it's four, so that's, you that's, got that's four people right but he's he's in, he's on mine really? he's the greatest comedian I've ever heard yeah he's he's the 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 charisma and see the I like Mike Epps too and I think he's hilarious but again underrated Mike Epps but I think is underrated Mike as well really like good. they've Mike said Epps before cool. in Hollywood there's so many like of these gatekeepers that only so many can get exposed I think Kevin Hart was one that pushed the envelope same with Tiffany yeah. Haddish. I don't think Tiffany Haddish is as funny as Melanie Camacho. Yeah. I think Melanie Camacho is much talented. Mm-hmm. Tiffany Tiffany Haddish is a great actress. Is she? Very good actress. Yeah. I think she just naturally plays so. a black woman, which so. is herself. <laughs> I, think. I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, really? most of her you roles, go there. Seen, her most of her, I haven't seen her play anything outside mm-hmm. of that role. I, I've seen movies of her, like The Kitchen and all of that, and I just did. It was whatever. Like I don't. She's see good. I enjoy her. I enjoy her. I just don't think she's like winning an Oscar anytime soon. Uh, you see, you see. Yeah, exactly. Like it's no, you see her in that same ratchet role. role play? I can play ratchet. I feel like I can be ratchet. Wow, on girls' that trip. Wasn't in the <laughs> and there was a new one on Netflix or something too. I just watched with her, and it was cool. It was good, but it wasn't like. Ooh, she's Meryl acting. Street. Yeah. <laughs> she played the same role. Yeah. She was loud. She was funny. Right. She was smack. You know. Like, to me, Lunell is hilarious as comedians. You know, uh, there's a lot of women out yeah, there. She's, especially she's in, if you're looking at, if you're talking she's about dope. black women as comedians, there's a lot out there that can surpass um, Tiffany in, in a roast session easily. Easily. So I don't mm-hmm. see it. Oh, yeah. I think she got lucky. Oh, it's, it's good. It's good you brought up the. It's, it's good you brought up Lunel because you remember Cat Williams. Oh yeah, like Melanie Camacho. Female Melanie Camacho's hilarious. Other comedians yeah. like her. That Adele Gibbons. I mean, there's legends yeah. out there. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's not forget. Yeah. She was. She just got lucky. Well, yeah, we'll wrap it up with this one for you guys tonight. Underrated, overrated. Lisa, Ray. where's she been? <laughs> yeah, what? Right. <laughs> Players Club was great. What did she do? Yeah. Movie. I've seen her talk smack on Instagram about people, but that's really... I've seen her argue and she's still in the fight with her sister. I'm, I'm just wondering how she's even rated, period. Like, how is it... Was how it, can you even say insecure? over or under when I she can... really isn't... 
I mean, wasn't she an insecure? Lisa Ray was an insecure, or are you talking about Issa Ray? Oh, Issa Ray. I thought you said Lisa. underrated. I thought you said Lisa. No, I'm Issa like, Ray. Huh? Issa Ray. Definitely oh. underrated. Yeah, Lisa Ray too. Definitely underrated. Definitely. Yeah. Issa Ray is amazing. Okay, pronounce it because yes. we were all like, "Huh?" Why Lisa are we talking Ray. About I was like, "Players Club." No, 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 not Lisa. Oh, my bad. Lisa, Lisa Ray. Yes, she's very Lisa underrated. Ray. I'm yes. glad there's one last season of Insecure. I'm done with the Insecure. I would like to see more from her on a different yes. thing. Her awkward yes. Black Girl series was amazing on YouTube mm-hmm. before she did Insecure. So I have been a fan of Issa's a long time, and her representation of of who she is is just so empowering, and it's just a great look. I'm all yeah. about her. And she's team natural. I wear my hair naturally. She gives me style ideas. I love it. It's encouraging. <laughs> you guys, you guys are great. <laughs> had a good time. No, thank you. Definitely have you guys back. I think my, this is the longest no. uh, that we've ever had a guest on our show. For sure. This this is by far the longest guest segment we've ever had, and, and also by far the, the dopest one, one like the I'm best energy, very yeah. vibrant. You guys, you guys were special. We we love you guys. Got back on before you guys leave. Definitely tell some of our audience where they can find you guys. I uh, make sure and find Girl Chat Sports, all one word. Girl Chat Sports. It's on all social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're also live every Wednesday. 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 o'clock Eastern Time on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. There it is. Pleasure to have you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we are back here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, our third and final segment, Mike and those ladies. Great energy, great vibes. Always a pleasure um, having Mo and Hell on no, the show. No, dope. No, dope. Definitely, man. It's always good hearing, good hearing different sports personalities, different sports, uh, different energy in the air. So it was, it was, it was a great uh, session for sure. Yeah, those ladies are are definitely amazing there for sure. NFL's been the topic of the last month thus far, but there's been a lot that's been going on in the NBA last night. Of course, an unfamiliar scene that you thought you'd never see John Wall in another uniform against his former team. And boy, Mike, did he show up and he showed out. And I I kind of feel bad, Mike. I'm starting to feel really bad for Bradley Beal here. This is a guy, Bradley, Bradley Beal, Mike. And I don't know why he's not getting tucked upon. The brother is averaging 35 points per game, per game on a very mediocre team. And last night, I, I think it's, it's, you're starting to see, <laughs> starting to see signs of him really starting to get really angry, Mike, really starting to get really frustrated with the inability of this team to win ball games. Um, if you can put this into perspective, his top three career numbers ever, that's 61, 55, all losses, Mike, all three. And, 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 he had, he joked about it, saying that it's funny how all my career highs have ended in losses. But um, it, it's it was a crazy dynamic last night, seeing John Wall against his former team, and you heard some chatters with Russell Westbrook that's going on on, on the court. 
obviously those those two men were traded for each other but um interesting stuff that's going on in the association yeah it definitely is man and, and like you said it's unfortunate about the whole situation with bradley bill yeah watching him versus john wall yesterday was kind of weird i hadn't he, he never saw that before so it was it was definitely something different but um yeah you're right man bradley bill has been balling this year as he was doing last year you know when he had no john wall no point guard no starting point no uh top point guard excuse me but you know he was ball. He was doing the same thing this year that he's doing last year. You know, just just a little bit more efficient and um, uh, a, a little bit higher scoring numbers. But like you said, man, this is sad because last year it, it was it was we we gave it a pass because we knew that he didn't have much help around him. So he, yes, we understood that you know the wins weren't uh, matching up to your performances because you were performing at a high level on a consistent basis. But at the same time, we knew that the wins weren't adding up to you because you didn't have much help. You were waiting for John Wall to see what we could do. So we come back the following year and we get rid of we trade John Wall for Russell Westbrook. We're thinking, okay, we we shouldn't have that much of a dip in production, but we've had that much of a dip and then some. Russell Westbrook has been awful in Washington. Absolutely awful. Inefficient from the field. Um not, not his usage rate is going down. He he sits he was he was injured for a while. He had COVID issues, <clears throat> sitting up for games. There's no consistency and no fluid motion in Washington. And this right now is looking like the same situation with a healthy Westbrook, with a starting point guard. This is looking like the same situation uh, that Bradley Bill was in last year with no point guard. So it, it looks very bad right now. And uh, they, they traded away John Wall, who looks much better right now than Russell Westbrook does. And maybe Russell Westbrook is not 100%. We saw what happened last year in the bubble. Uh, the situation with his injuries and stuff like that. Maybe he's never, he still hasn't fully recovered uh, all the way to 100%. And maybe he, uh, we, we still got to give him some time for midseason until he gets into that form of, okay, this is the Russell Westbrook we know. But right now, Westbrook is the key factor. He looks terrible. And because he looks terrible, this looks like the same Washington Wizards team that we saw last year. And that does not look good knowing that you traded away a John Wall that looks very good in, in Houston right now. Agreed, agreed. And I was. Uh, for a guy that said that I wouldn't even do the trade because I'm a huge Sean Wall fan and I thought the continuity between him and Beal was already there. And, and now you try to bring in a guy that's Russell Westbrook and we've seen in the past, it teammates and duos, trios, haven't boded well with Russell Westbrook integrating him as a team in their offense. And so you already had John Wall. That... Uh, a mesh that they had between him and Brad has been there for years, but you got to feel bad for Brad, man. You, you really do. Yeah. The guy is tops in the NBA in scoring right now, and you got to really feel bad for him. Something tells me, Mike, whether it be the trade deadline this year or at the end of the season, I, I, I think Bradley Beal has, has played his last season in a Washington uniform. Something tells me that because okay. I, I think a contender sees that Bradley Beal cannot potentially be a, a an excellent third option on a championship team or even an excellent second option on a very yeah. championship team. Um, so I, something tells me that he's, he's, he's in his latter days in Washington. Yeah, I, and I agree. And last night's game against Houston actually was the first time that I actually felt like, yo, it's, it's a done deal. He's done. He's not coming back. And I wouldn't even blame him if he doesn't because he's given so much to this organization and, the return on investment just hasn't been there. Unfortunate injuries to John Wall at, at terrible times when they get they, they get peeking into their primes, you know, looking like they're getting ready to form a, a dynamic duo in Washington. 
and it's just it's just unfortunate situations that led to the product on the court that we see so we see today. So if he leaves after this season, I wouldn't even be I wouldn't even be upset with him. I would, I would actually I, I I really don't want to see him continue to go through this because of, of how good of a player he is. Uh, I know how elite he is. He's one of the top two or three shooting guards in basketball. Okay. That, that that that's how good he is. And you know I know people don't really get to see it too much because. We're in Washington, and the, you know the the losses they speak for itself. But if, if anybody takes the time out to watch the Wizards game in, in, throughout the season, you will greatly appreciate the effort and the performances that you see on a night to night basis from Bradley Beal. Agreed, agreed. There for sure. Let's start off with the Western Conference. Um, obviously, the better conference, but the East is catching up uh, slowly but surely. Top heavy, Mike. Uh, you got three teams that are in the top five in. Obviously, power rankings, the Lakers one. You've got the Utah Jazz at three and then the Clippers at four. Both of these teams are only separated by 0.5. So just half a game back. We know what the Lakers represent. Anthony Davis, LeBron James. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about them later. The Jazz have been steady, Mike. 13 and four. Gobert and Mitchell has been the engine that drives this force and i i remembered i remembered a few weeks back we're talking about our predictions i said the jazz would contend with the clippers and the lakers for the western conference this season i remembered i said that i i it did i was on the record for that and of course the clippers despite not having george and Kawhi, lead the league in three-point shooting uh so um what do you see here in the western conference it's it's uh, it's pretty top heavy yeah, the three the, the 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 top three teams in the conference right now are the three hottest teams in basketball. You got the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Clippers. The Jazz have won nine straight games. The Lakers have won eight out of their last ten, I believe, and the 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 Clippers have won eight out of their last ten, I believe, as well. So it's it's been um the those are the three hottest teams in, in in basketball right now. When you look at you know the the Western Conference, I'm I'm still a, a heavy believer in this Denver Nuggets team. You know the regular season is not a, a time where you can truly gauge and judge this team. This team is catered and built for the playoffs. And for, throughout a 72 or 82 game season, um, the, the, this team is going to struggle throughout because there's no consistent scoring from uh, a certain pieces. And for some reason, it seems like Jamal Murray really steps his game up in the playoffs and uh, doesn't really have his best performances throughout the regular season until the latter part. So this Denver Nuggets team is very is a very much a special threat to me because it's, it's, it's bringing the same team back from last year, just adding a few more pieces and bringing back a healthy Will Barton, Will the Thrill Barton this year, who is an X factor for this team. And uh, so Denver is in the conversation for me as one of the top teams as well. But those three teams at the top, the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Clippers, are the three hottest teams in the league. And the Clippers, in my opinion, need to get more conversation. They need to be talked about more because the Clippers are a legitimate threat, a legitimate threat. And they could easily go to the finals, um, depending on the matchups this year. There's, there's been a lot of – I think people – they, they've been the forgotten team. I think because of yeah. the epic meltdown last year and, yeah. and, and you know, play, pandemic P, playoff P not stepping up. There's not that much expectations on them this season, and uh, they've other teams have kind of gotten the spotlight. The Denver, like you mentioned, Utah, even the Suns, uh, for with with Booker and Chris Paul, they've gotten more spotlight than the Clippers. But under the radar, they've been thirteen and five, and and quietly steady there. LeBron James, um, excellent week. We know what he did in Milwaukee: thirty-four points, hit six three-pointers. How about on top of that? I'll give you something better. Against his former team, 
the Cleveland Cavaliers, 46 points, Mike, on Wednesday. The it, it's it's the guy just ages like fine wine. It's it's uh, it's special to watch. No, it definitely is. And, and that game was that game was special to watch because it reminded us in a way of 2006 to 2009. You know, that was that was vintage, old, young, young, athletic. Raw, no, not excuse me. I'm gonna say athletic, but just pure skill. When Braun, Braun is one of those players where, let's say, he he puts up he puts up big numbers, but the, but a performance like that hit different um, because it was it was a lot of jumpers. It was mainly jumpers, and it was predicated on a lot of skill. When a player is taking his game over through skill and doing it at a very high efficient rate. It's a, it's like, it's like a different type of art and difficulty to it. Like, like hence the Kevin Durant's, the the Steph Curry's, the Damian Lillard's, the the Kyrie Irving's, the Booker's, the Harden's, yep. Like, and rely on their skill set. Uh, LeBron James is one of those freight trains that likes to get to the to the rim a lot and, and you know, uh, use the use the numbers and things like that and, and and base it off that. But when he has nights like that the other night when he's hitting his jump shot and his skill set is on full display. And he he's taking it to that level. Oh man, it's special to watch. And that those are one of those performances where he, we said it his entire career. If he gets hot like that, forget it. But uh, that's that's what separates LeBron, uh, seven year eighteen LeBron versus you know a, a, a younger LeBron because he's he's now to the point where he has nothing to prove. He feels like he has nothing to prove, so he can elevate his game to this level. Jump jump shooting wise, he's been working on it for years, and we're seeing the maturation process of his jump shooting. His skill set, his footwork, his fadeaways, all his whole repertoire was on display against his former team. And it started, you saw it in that in that third quarter when he missed that shot at the end. And that heckler, who, who actually happened to be someone who was affiliated with the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, for, for a lot of years, especially his early part in Cleveland, you saw that heckler, he started to get, get LeBron fired up and motivated him. And in that fourth quarter, he took over for, I mean, 21 points. Uh, finished with 46, but it, but the jumpers and the shots that he was making in that fourth quarter, I mean, that was just pure art and skill, and it was a it was a beautiful thing to watch because because as great as LeBron is, you don't see that type of skill and uh, on display on uh, every every given night. Agreed, agreed, there, man. He he was dialed in and 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 hitting some daggers. When he's on like that from the three point line, it's 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 nearly impossible <laughs> to slow that guy yep. down. In the Eastern Conference, I I, I you know the 76ers, Mike, they've been very impressive to me. Um, I haven't been very high on them. I wasn't high on them this year, but I can't I, I can't refute anybody if you told me Joel Joel Embiid is the MVP. <laughs> this guy has been very dominant. He is, I believe, what Hakeem and Shaquille O'Neal, if they had a child, that's what Joel Embiid should be. And this is what he is now. That early on in his career, and again the knee, the back injuries, and all this, this, and that. You can't use that against them. But the best availability ability is availability. And you haven't been able to count on Joel Embiid. And, of course, there's been games where, you know, he's taking a lot of jump shots and threes. You know, you need to be in that block, and you need to be dominating. And I think that's what Doc Rivers has been doing, implementing plays to get him down in that block. Obviously, he still shoots about four to five threes a game, but we want you to dominate in that block. And we see uh, Joel Embiid this year, Mike, that we haven't seen in quite some time being able to uh, uh, dominate like this. And this is actually quite impressive to me, Mike, because you think about it. This era that we're living in is the best guard and wing era ever. 
Yes. You've got Kurt, Dane. You've got, I mean, Kyrie Irving. The list goes on. John Wall, all the above. You've got wings like Tatum, Brown, uh, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Um, the list goes on to all the other special wings that we have in the league. Luka Doncic. Embiid is dominating down in the post and in that paint and a guard and wing era. That to yep. me is special. And this is the Joel Embiid that we've been waiting on all along. This is the Joel Embiid that we thought he's got all the intangibles. He can be an MVP caliber player. But why has it that not been the case for all these years? He's showing up this year, Mike. He's showing up big time. And like you said, I'm glad you brought it up because it's a great point. Uh, in, in today's NBA, it's great to see that a, a center, a, a dominant big man, is, is leading the MVP talks right now. So, and based off how he's playing, I mean, he's playing phenomenal. He's taking less threes. He's not. He's not. He's not outside shooting as much as he used to. Now he still takes them on occasion, but he's not falling in love with it as much as he used to in years past. And I think that's one of the biggest keys in his trans in his transformation process, uh, becoming this player that he is right now. And you know, as as much as people might not want to say, you might have to give Doc Rivers a lot of credit for that. Because Doc Rivers is the one that, you know, and and this coaching staff, along with them, is bringing the best out of Joel Embiid. And we've seen stretches where Joel Embiid has showed stretches of these performances and this, that, and the third. But he's never done it as consistently as he's doing it right now. You know, just dominating night after night, leading this team to victory after victory and being the spearhead that's going to potentially get this team over the hump. Now, they have shooters on this team in Philly as well that's actually helping them uh, – that, that gives them a nod uh, over the Philly team from last year that, that couldn't shoot uh, a brick in the ocean. So it was uh, – it was. I, I like what I'm seeing from this Philly team. I like what I'm seeing from uh, from Boston. They, they had a little stretch there where they were without some of their key players like Jason Tatum for COVID and stuff like that. But they held surge, and they won they, they, they won an uh, excellent amount of games and got some reps for some other players as well. I'm, t- I'm going to tell you a sleeper team that's really uh, been, been playing very well uh, over the last about, about – I want to say week and a half or so. The Toronto Raptors, yeah, they've they've come back into the top into the top ten. I want to say, because uh, you know they started off two and eight, but they won five of the last seven. They're now seven and ten. Uh, they're starting to round into form, and they're starting to get to get their legs back under them. And I expect them to to be be in the conversation. Uh, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing from the Cleveland Cavaliers last week. You saw you you saw what they did to the Brooklyn Nets two games in a row. Colin Sexton, Sexton is on the rise. They have a dominant big man duo in Cleveland right now. That, that that can be uh that can be very formidable very. in the future, very formidable. So uh, I like what I saw from the Hawks last night. Trey Young went went special. They're in the conversation. Uh, the Bucks are still doing their thing. They're, 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 this Eastern Conference is loaded, and this Eastern Conference, uh, top to bottom, you can make a case that they're they're, they're playing just as well, if if not um uh, better than the Western Conference. And and top to bottom, talent wise, it's it's almost neck and neck. I mean, there is no uh clear cut easy matchup in the Eastern Conference or a weak matchup in the Eastern Conference because on any given night, all these teams are competitive and they're, they're, it's, it's across the board. So the Eastern Conference is very loaded right now. It's, it's some teams that uh, on the bottom half, they're not even in the top 10 that, that should be playoff teams like the Miami Heat. Right, so right. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of competition in the East. Right. Agreed there for sure. Agreed there for sure. Uh, obviously in the Eastern Conference, when you talk about the spotlight, it has to be in Brooklyn. You, you've got Kyrie, KD, and Harden. I want to talk yeah. to you about this team right here. Obviously, yeah. we know how special they can be offensively, but the question is always going to be defensively. And that's always been the thing for Dan Tony, Steve Nash teams, whether they've been players or coaches. It, it, it's it, Their deficiencies, Mike, showed against the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
But you got to go against Larry Nance. You got to go against Drummond. Those guys are elite, like glass, uh, 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 you know, like magnets. I call them magnets. You know, they, they dominate the glass and get rebounds. And they were, they've been getting pounded on the glass. And I, I said to myself, they got to bring somebody in, whether that's in the vet, veterans minimum, when, you know, uh, DeAndre Jordan gets out of the ball game and he's in foul trouble. Jeff Green cannot play the five and be able to handle the likes of the Giannis is in the East, the Joel Embiid. He will get eaten alive by Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the likes of Drummond in the Eastern Conference, you know, the likes of Nikola Vucevic in Orlando. So I, I said to myself that they had to bring somebody in to, to kind of fill that role uh, moving on forward. Even Bam Adebayo, we saw what he did against them in Brooklyn Saturday night and on Monday night. So my, the thing to me is obviously the Brooklyn Nets, they're very talented. They've moved up now to the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. But moving on forward and into the postseason, they got to figure out a way to, you know, rebound. Re- rebounding. Pat Riley always said, no rebound, no ring, Mike. And so if you want to win championships, you got to be able to rebound the ball. You cannot allow second, third chance points to opposing teams because eventually they'll, they'll hurt you. It may not be the Miamis. It may not be the Torontos. But when you're playing Boston – Philadelphia or Milwaukee, they will <laughs> they will definitely eat you alive. And so I think that's the key now for, for the Brooklyn Nets, this, uh, aside from obviously integrating everybody. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is the key because it's, it's the difference between this team uh, running away with the East and this team having to uh, fight an uphill battle and, and it'd be much more competitive than they would have wanted it to be. And like you said, ever since that trade, they begin torched in the paint, you know, whether it's defensively or offensively. I mean, every every uh, center they've gone against has had a dominant performance ever since Jared Allen has left, and that's why I wasn't I wasn't uh, too fond early about the James Harden train at first because I knew that they were giving up Jared Allen and they, that combination between him and Jordan was a was a, a, a size a nice uh, big man combo to have uh, moving forward uh, on your team and so 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 as far as especially as far as rebounds are concerned. So, but but now that now that he's gone. It's gonna to have to be like you said, bringing somebody, bringing somebody, uh, a veteran to come in at the center position, or you have to continue to uh, rebound by committee. And, and it's gonna to have to be a, a team effort as far as rebounding, gang rebounding. Everybody meet at the rim. Uh, no, no lollygagging at the three point line. Everybody crash the boards. It's gonna to have to be a, a total team effort. And defensively, that comes with uh, matchups, and that, that comes with lineups. This team is still figuring each other out, and I feel like Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni and these guys are gonna find the lineups that that, that match each other and, and all the all the, the players co- coexisting with each other on the defensive side that are gonna bring out the best. Uh, the, the best defensive matchups uh, for this team. So I feel like they have some nice defensive players, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, Landry Stamet, uh, guys like that. Kevin Ryan is a very good defender. Kyrie and James can play good defense when they want to play good defense. Uh, they, they just they just, um, they, they just choose to at times, but they definitely can play defense when they want to. When you saw Kyrie, I don't know if you saw Kyrie the last game, he didn't have a great shooting game, but defensively, he and, and, and James Harden, those guys were all over the place against Miami. They held him to 85 points. Easily their best showing this season, and um, we we we'll, we'll, we'll see. But offensively, we know they're going to be a show. We're not worried about that. But defense, like you said, is going to be the difference between them running away with the Eastern Conference and them having to climb an uphill battle. Right, agreed there for sure. And I don't know who's available. Um, I I don't know who's available yet. I is Javel McGee available? 
Yes, is, 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 is there a Kavon Looney? Um, I know Jordan Bell got picked up a few weeks ago, but there has to be somebody, Mike, that is in that free agency pool or, or somebody that they can just sign and bring in to give them a, a, at least, Mike, a solid 10, 15 minutes on the floor. They, there has to be somebody. When DeAndre Jordan gets out, there has to be somebody. And I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to go small. They're trying to have the opportunity to um, uh, be able to have a decisive advantage against teams where they go small and have shooters around KD, Kyrie, and Harden. But when when they're off and you're trying to get stops on the opposite end, that's not going to bode well for you. There has to be somebody mind that they can bring in. Yeah, the, the, and definitely, and, and and you brought up a great one. Javale McGee is one of the the number one players on their on their in, on their radar as far as bringing in because that would be a perfect fit for them. You know, as far as everything that they you know, like you said, coming off the bench or uh, or starting whatever the case may be. But that's just a great piece, a great piece to have, and um, you need that you need that rebounding because that's is what's going to give those is, is defensively. If you're able to get continuous stops, that just makes your offense even much more lethal than what it already is with those three superstars you have. So, man, I'm 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 looking forward to see what moves they make and uh, what what um who who they who they able to bring in because um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting down the line to see how this Eastern Conference plays out. From the pro game, we go to the college game. A lot of great things that's been going on in the college game as well, Mike. Um, a team that's coming in and rounding into form is these Alabama Crimson Tide. Boy, I don't know if they're trying to match. They got some added motivation from Nick Saban, but they have been special and by far the team to beat in the SEC. And I like what I saw last night against Auburn. They, they got an upset yeah, win, uh, against uh, Missouri. Missouri is vastly improved as well. Uh, but Sharif Cooper, this young, talented high school recruit and as a freshman, put on a show, Mike. 18 for 21 on the field, 28 points overall. He was the reason why they won that ball game. So um, SEC, not really the biggest basketball conference, but they've got some top-heavy teams. They do. They do. You know, Alabama's been playing well. You know, Florida's been doing their thing. This 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 um this Alabama team is going to be special. They're going to be in the conversation. I'm intrigued to see what they look like in March because they have elite shooting. And you need that elite shooting. You know, this guy, Cooper, you need that. I always say you need a, a, a player that can put the ball in his hands and he can take the game over. You need some uh, elite shooting around him. And you also need a solid big man. And you see Alabama has all three. And that's why they're 13 and three. That's why they've been one of the top teams in college basketball. And I see them. I see them uh, in the conversation, or potentially running away and um, winning, winning out the SEC this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Guard play is very huge, and as it stands, Alabama is a projected two seed if March Madness started today. Um, talk about the Big Twelve. A guy that you watch very closely uh, from your days covering uh, the Hoyas, and that is Mac McClung and this Texas Tech team. Obviously, they fell short against West Virginia. They they led. Yeah. All game about the last uh, 30 or 36 or 38 minutes. But in the end, West Virginia got that win. So um, what's what's the shape up in the Big 12? Yeah, this Big 12 is very, very interesting because you got a, uh, you got a lot of teams, man. You're looking at, you know, you got, of course, you got, of course, you got Texas. You, Mac McClellan, Texas Tech. I like what I'm saying from Mac McClellan this year. I feel like he's more NBA ready this year than he was last year at Georgetown. 
that next step is big, but they need more production from their bigs. Marcus Santos Silva needs to produce a little bit more. He needs to be a walking double double at least, and then and that would take them over the hump. But I love what I'm seeing from Texas Tech and Mac Mac McClung. Uh, I, I like what I'm seeing from Oklahoma as well uh, to some degree. Oklahoma is huge win last night against Texas. Huge, huge upset against Texas yesterday, and um, you know. Uh, hats off, pray, prayers to Shaka Smart. He he was out of that game with the COVID and um, stuff, stuff like that. So uh, Oklahoma is going to be a, a force to be reckoned with uh, between those between those two teams. But I love what I'm saying from Texas Tech. Uh, even though they even though they they're not finishing games re, on recent memory against some of these top teams, they'll they'll be there down the line, and I know what I'm going to get from them because they have the guys to do it. Yep, agreed there for sure. Obviously, Baylor is the creme of the creme in the Big 12, but Kansas is slipping, Mike. Kansas is slipping. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are, and <laughs> your teams are starting to catch up to them, and you're seeing that throughout the season. They're literally starting to catch up to them. Like you said, Baylor is the creme de la creme. I'm not, I don't really bring bring up Baylor much because that's just who they are. We, we, we're we consistently seeing them. We know how good Jared Butler and those guys are, my COT, but uh, this, yeah, Kansas surprised me. It's, it's surprising me a lot because uh, this is not something we're used to seeing from a Bill self-led team, Savvy. It isn't. It's not something we're used to seeing. So, uh, But, I mean, hey, when you look at what UNC, what's going on with North Carolina and Duke, I guess this is one of those unprecedented college basketball seasons. It is. It is the Blue Bloods and Kentucky as well. Kentucky, yeah. <laughs> the Blue Bloods, are, are, it's just not the year of, of the Blue Bloods. I, I, COVID-19 just said, you know what, we're just going to strike and spray COVID in the air amongst those big blue blood schools uh, there for sure. And, of course, there's college basketball, and all teams look up to who the, the, the team in the Pacific Northwest, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, continues to be 15-0. and 0. I think we really can't judge Gonzaga, Mike, until March. Obviously, they, oh, they've, they've dominated that conference for the last, what, seven, eight years. They'll be challenged and they'll be judged by what they do in March. But the eye test tells somebody that this is a final four team. So when you when yeah. you look at, at, at this Gonzaga team, is there reasons for concerns? Do you see holes or, or do you see like maybe a team that's getting hot? Or is there a team out there that you think that can compete with them? It is Do they have deficiencies where they can slip up on their path to a final four? What, what do you see when you look at the Zags team? Yes, when I look at the Zags, there are a few deficiencies. They have t- a tendencies to be lackadaisical defensively, and I noticed that because they they know they're so confident in their offense, and they, they know what they can do. That that sometimes they take they take time they take uh, plays off defensively, and you can't you don't want to get in the habit of doing that against certain teams because you're gonna um you're gonna run into some great teams like you couldn't do that against Baylor, you couldn't do that against uh some of those uh, some of those other top teams. Uh, in the country right now that that are that are just rolling. Like I don't I don't feel like you can you can play like that way against a UVA or you know teams like that. So it's 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 gonna be interesting to see. I know one thing offensively they're a juggernaut. They just have too many weapons offensively. They pass the ball at a high rate. They knock down three points. It's beautiful shots. watching them play basketball Mike. Beautiful. It's really beautiful basketball when you watch this team play. It really is. And um I, I just it, – it's not too many teams that can knock them off. I mean, they can get knocked off. I mean, when you're asking that question in college basketball, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dicey question to answer because it's, it's one game. You know, it's not like a seven-game series or three-game series where you really can truly determine the best player, the, 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 the best team overall. This is one game, and on one game, any, any given night, any team can be beat. 
Uh, do I see them going out before the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight? No, because they that level of dominance is going to continue and it's, it's, it's um, what's the word for it? It's contagious and it spreads throughout the rest of the season. But uh, I do I do see them being in the Final Four. And one last point, Sebi. When you give a team like Gonzaga the number one seed as a preseason, you're, you're not g- going to expect to see any changes throughout that season because of how dominant they are in their conference. Like, there's, there's no team that's going to challenge them in that conference that's going to knock them off that number one seed because they've been so dominant. They've won every single game by double-digit points except for the game against West Virginia. That's how dominant this team has been. So, this, 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 uh, and, and I feel like that, 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 <laughs> that, that may have something to do with the, the way the number one seed was tossed around last year in college basketball. And then you look at you look at the, this year. You know Gonzaga gets it, and and they, we we know the number one seed is not going to get tossed around when Gonzaga starts off in number one going against their, their conference uh, on an every game basis. So that that's my takeaway from Gonzaga. They can be beat by anybody because it's college basketball. It's only one game, but at the same time, I don't see them going out before the Elite Eight. This is a team I fully expect to make the Final Four. Absolutely, there for sure. Quickly here before we we, we finish here today, um, some other big teams that's caught my eye. This EJ Liddell guy from Ohio State, he's starting to make a name for him in the Big Ten. EJ yes. Liddell, he's he's been special, Mike. He's he's been extremely special. Ohio State has gotten some big, 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 big wins on the road. It's 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 one thing to be able to be special in college football basketball, but being able to win an opponent's building, that's always a huge, huge thing. I also like what I'm seeing from uh, uh Indiana as well, Mike. I can't f- remember the young gentleman's name, the freshman. Uh, big man. Uh, he's a forward. R- remind me of his name. Um, oh, uh, uh, give me. Uh, um, I can't, I can't remember the young gentleman's name, but he, he's, he's, he's a special player as well for Indiana. I like what I've seen from Indiana as well, being able to stay in these ball games and uh, potentially clinch an at birth, a, a large birth. Um, come this postseason in March Madness. That's going to be a big thing. I like what I see for them. But I will say this. This Sunday, Mike, I am looking ahead for this Illinois and Iowa matchup coming up on Sunday. You potentially have two preseason All-Americans going at it. We know how special Luca Garza is, but he's going again, Ayo Dusamu. And that's going to be an interesting game because I think Illinois has somebody for Garza, and that's Coffee Cockburn. Yes, 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 they do. And uh, he's he's uh he's special, man. And Garza has gone against some tough competition this year. He's 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 done it, and he's actually performed very well to some degree in certain matchups. Uh, but uh, th- this is going to be yet another another tough matchup for him. Uh, yeah, like you say, he had to go up against he had to go up against um some tough competition early on in the season. But uh, he's he's one of those players where you can you can um. You can count on him to show up in big games. That that's what he does, and he's he's gonna be there. He's gonna he's gonna be in the mix. He's gonna make plays, and uh, I fully I fully expect him to, to 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 dominate his position and dominate this game and and put this team on top because uh, Iowa needs to continue to win. Yep, definitely there for sure. Iowa themselves looking for a number one seed may not get the number one overall seed that belongs to Gonzaga, but they're trying to get one of those four regional seeds um, going into March Madness. Uh, there for sure uh, and that actually wraps up our segment here today episode 22 of our great show from myself and mike we want to say so long from now we will be back next week mike and the guru 
on air. I, as as they uh, they say, they say the guru knows all. So we'll try to see if you could put that to the test, Mike. They say the guru knows all. So uh, <laughs> Mike and Guru next week, but we're definitely gonna be excited for that. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show. We'll be there next time. Yep. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. Sebupodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.